We are graced with Sarah's presence tonight. I have to say, I'm a little starstruck. I love you as Aunt Lydia on The Handmaid's Tale. I actually really like Sarah. I think she's very resourceful. Like, she burns facts, and then she uses that ash to create a perfect smoky eye. Like, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's lies. It's probably lies. President Trump this morning is blasting the White House Correspondents' Dinner after that monologue from comic Michelle Wolf. Moments ago, the president tweeted, in part, the White House Correspondents' Dinner is dead as we know it. It's been like that for a minute, Hedy Stamane. <laughs> it's been like that for a minute. Here to discuss, we have CNN political commentator Anna Navarro and Jason Miller. So, Anna, were you at the dinner? Oh, hell no. I get invited. And I, you know, I just, I don't get roast. I don't like roast. You don't you like know? roast. You don't like, you think they're mean-spirited. I think they're mean-spirited. It's something we don't do in Latin America because I tell you, we want, there would be somebody dead by the end of a dinner <laughs> like that. Oh, hell no. Okay, when Donald Trump makes fun of Rosie O'Donnell's looks and Carly Fiorina's looks and Mika Brzezinski's looks, and then when a comedian may be making fun of Sarah Sanders' looks, the White House goes berserk. Well, at the risk of diving into a master class uh, episode of what about ism, I think they're two completely different things here. I you ain't got the answers, man. You ain't got the answers. But we don't feel the same way when the president of the United States says things about women's looks. Just explain but that, Jason. They're, they're two completely separate things. And I don't see how a terrible comedian uh, who wasn't funny at all. And I am the number one most impactful artist of our generation. I am Shakespeare in the flesh. Walt Disney, Nike, Google. Welcome to the first episode of the podcast. Um, Michelle Wolf doesn't need me to defend her, so we're just going to go ahead and get started with this week's episode. Um, I spoke with Bill Danielson. He's a friend of mine from Sweden who is currently a student. And we talked a little bit about everything from a public health care system to the alt-right. So I guess we should just go ahead and get started. So before the show, we were talking a little bit about the alt-right and the similarities between the recent politically motivated violence here in America and the story you were telling me about the laser man. Uh, so I don't, why don't we start there? Who exactly is the laser man? The laser man is an, is an infamous uh, serial killer. Sweden. Uh, I'd heard about him my whole life and I knew that uh, I knew he existed, but it wasn't until recently that I actually uh, saw there's this three parts TV series made by state television about him based on a popular book. Um, and I, it was made in 2005. I think it was, it's called the laser man. And I actually saw it recently. And when I saw it, it struck me how like similar his profile is to any of the sort of, you know, the alt-right guys being arrested for various shootings right now. Right. Uh, and he, he, he started freaking out, I guess he wanted to send a message to all the immigrants in Sweden because he absolutely detested immigrants. Uh, there was some far-right tensions in Sweden at the time. There still is. I mean, yeah. that never went away, which is a thing I guess Americans should know about Sweden, yeah. that it's a fairly racist country across the board. But yeah, uh, there's a lot. There, there have been immigration from uh, Iran, I think, especially after the revolution. Uh, so there are a lot of Iranians in Sweden. 
And I, th- I think that was the group that were blamed for everything at the time. Uh, now it's sort of shifted to Afghanis or uh, Syrians, but at that time it was Iranians. So there was, you know, there was some political turmoil. Uh, I see. Uh, people were mad at the social democrat government. And uh, he started, I don't know, he took it upon himself to dr- sort of drive the immigrants out of Sweden uh, by just sort of randomly shooting him. Now, uh, he couldn't get a gun in Sweden because uh, that's kind of hard. Or, well, it's virtually impossible. Right. Uh, Wait, so he had to, yeah. So just to, I'm sorry, just to jump in, why is it no. virtually impossible to get a gun? I mean, I guess this is, it's hard to explain, but you can't, you can't get a gun really. Okay. Like you can get a, you can get a hunting rifle, uh, if you're, but then you have to be a licensed hunter and you can get other weapons if you're a part of different like, um, shooting clubs and stuff like that. But it's a, a very complicated process. Okay. So it's more complicated than say getting a driver's license or something like that. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I totally get it. Ask away. So I, he went to, uh, I think he went to Switzerland or something uh, and got a, I think it was like, I, they show it in the, in, the, in the TV series, but I'm so bad at guns. Uh, it looks like a combination between a gun and a rifle. Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, he got that and he got a laser sight. That's why they called him the laser man. Right. But he wanted to see himself as the kind of guy who, you know, who was like, I don't know, like a big game hunter, you know, right. like a man, like a man's man who, you know, traded on the stock exchange uh, and was blonde and had blue eyes, you know, like Eric Trump. Yeah, 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 exactly. He wanted to be Eric Trump. He has that, you know, he he also looks like he has some sort of fucked up incestuous uh, royal disease. Right. Yeah, that and that is a kind of a common theme here right now, starting with, well, I don't even know if it really started with Charlottesville, but kind of around that time, I think, um, when that young lady got ran over by the dude had their hair yeah that got ran over um by the neo-nazi guy and then the parkland guy was a trump supporter um there's just been a streak of actual murder yeah because of the extreme politics that are taking place right now yeah i mean um not i'm not a i don't know a lot about him but uh psychologically speaking but you know, he seemed like, you know, he thinks he's oppressed for some reason. He can't get anything going. He can't get his life together. And he's, you know, he blames everyone but him, basically. Um, which seems to be sort of the, the profile of the, these American shooting guys. You know, they're, they're mad at everything, even though nothing has really happened. They feel, you know, I mean, and to some extent, I guess, you know, everyone feels powerless in the, in the, you know, the capitalistic, uh, economical structure. I mean, right. That isn't, that isn't, there's a baseline pressure it puts on everybody. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I get, but it's strange how that, that pressure sort of converts to this extreme violence to some people who feel totally powerless. So you touched on the social Democrats and just for any listeners that might not know, 
um, very much about Swedish politics. Are the social democrats like the democrats here, where they're a like a centrist corporate party, or are they, you know, a real progressive party? Uh, it's 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 not a. I can't really square the circle of that comparison with an American party because everything is sort of going to sound extremely left wing compared to the the American Democrats. Right. Uh, not to say not to say that the Social Democrats are especially left wing. They aren't, but. Uh, I right. don't know. No, but to like the world, Bernie Sanders is like center left here in America. He's like extreme left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but I think, I think the, the social Democrats used to be a workers party that, uh, were for the workers and, uh, more left leaning than they are now. Um, they, uh, uh, have especially lately sort of come to serve the corporate purpose more and more, uh, which, I guess it's disappointing to me because I come from a, a family of long who have always supported the social Democrats, uh, especially like back to my grandma. Um, but I really, I really, I have a, a very strong distaste for them lately. That's and it's also, yeah, because this is election year for us, right? Right. Uh, in a few months, the campaigns will start going because the election is in a few months. Uh, but you're starting to see it pop up a little bit, uh, posters on the subway and stuff like that. Right. Um, and it's really, it's kind of, it's extremely disappointing to see that, or I don't know if I should say disappointing. It's my fault for having expectations in the first place, (laughs) but I think it's like sort of below the dignity of, of the party. Some of the things they're doing, I mean, dignity is stupid, but that's how it feels instinctually. Like, um the the current prime minister who is uh, who is uh, a social democrat he has he put out a uh, news he put out a thing recently where he talked about that there's going to be a he wants to introduce a ban on begging uh that's a, a oh, thing like panhandling yeah exactly okay that's something fairly co- something you'll see in Sweden. That's fairly common. Mostly, it's uh, Eastern European uh, immigrants who come here, and they, you know, they don't have a job, they don't have any money, they're not, you know, they're not included in the system anyway. So usually, what they do is, you know, they sit out on the subway exits or stores, and they panhandle. I guess is the best way to describe it. And this is something that really bothers a lot of Swedes having to see this because it's not, you know, it's not like someone's haranguing you. Uh, but just the sight of this bothers a lot of Swedish people and him playing into this thing where he's going to somehow introduce a ban on this is really playing into like far right thinking. Like he's trying to score points with, uh, you know, with conservatives by, by, by giving them what they want. But I don't know. That's embarrassing to me. There's places like even in like San Francisco, there's supposedly Democratic lawmakers that are banning homeless people from being in certain places. Like you can't, you're not allowed to be homeless in San Francisco anymore. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, I had a conversation about my uh, with my father about this recently. Uh, I was sort of a red diaper baby. My dad is sort of a communist. Uh, I was talking to him about this this ban on panhandling. Uh, 
and I asked him why why he thought everyone thought it was such a big issue because there is a lot much like all over the world there's a lot of far right uh, influences at the moment we have a far right party here in Sweden who has I think almost 25% of the electorate which mean that they're like the third biggest party in Sweden it's like a far right party I guess I don't know if a lot of people outside of Sweden realize that being extremely anti-immigrant, being extremely anti-influences, like, you know, they'll be out collecting signatures to, like, uh, forbid the, forbid, forbid constructions of mosques and cities and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, anti, especially anti-immigration, uh, especially right. from the Middle East. I mean, uh, one of them, uh, they're called the Swedish Democrats, which is a very unassuming name. Uh, but the one of the chairman of the Swedish <laughs> Democrats, Democrats famously said that he was going to move to uh, Hungary because they don't accept any immigrants, which is a hilarious yeah. thing to say as you're about to immigrate somewhere. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I talked to my dad about it, and he uh, he's, he's tends to be insightful about these sort of things. And he he said that people uh, who disagree, he thinks that people who disagree with the panhandling is that they're not used to seeing it in a in like a seemingly functioning social state. You know, Sweden is not supposed to have this problem. We're you know we have social security nets supposed to catch people before they end up panhandling and we don't anymore or we don't when it comes to immigrants right uh, and he thinks that that bothers a lot of people and i think there's some truth to it because when you ask someone about it if you talk to someone about it and you ask like you know do you, what do you think about this they'll often be against it but they'll have no solutions like well what are they supposed to do you know right. it's so just like well yeah i guess they're faced with the moral dilemma of, you know, citizens have nationalized health care. And I think nationalized, uni- you guys get free university there as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It, while immigrants don't, uh, I'm assuming, get those same. No. Right? Well, I think that you, they get, it sort of depends on what kind of, and where you come from. It depends on the status. I mean, most immigrants, a lot of immigrants who are here who came recently are classified as refugees uh, from a war. That gives you certain rights. If you're a member of the European Union, you can go anywhere in Europe and stay for however long you want. Right. Uh, going to the university is totally free here. Uh, you just, you know, you apply for classes and everything like that. Uh, but then it costs nothing. I can't even uh, imagine what that's like. Yeah. But then, I mean, then you, you also get money to study. You, you know, <laughs> a yeah. certain amount. It, it makes uh, sense. it makes sense. You would want to incentivize learning because you know the better job you have, the more productive you are. Yeah, exactly. So, so for instance, I am a student. I've been a student for uh, I don't know, almost three years now, and uh, I take a loan to study, but the loan isn't for the school. I take out a loan so I can live. Right. So I don't have to work on the side. So a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of students in Sweden do loan money, but it's for you know living, living expenses. Right. So I borrow. I think I don't know the exact conversion rate, but I war- I borrow. I get ten thousand Swedish kronor each month, which should be around like fifteen hundred dollars, maybe. Uh, now a third of that is given to me as an, you know, 
as just uh it's just um, you don't have to pay it back no i don't have to pay it back right. and then i i pay back the other uh three quarters you said you know a red diaper baby so i'm sure your family is more than okay paying taxes and i'm sure it's not an extreme amount or anything no i mean i have worked in the past right i was male i was a mailman for like almost four years Oh wow! I was uh, I worked for the post office as well. Oh hell yeah! Rules, right? Yeah, it's a really good job here. It's unionized. Hell yeah! Oh yeah! I just want to add one thing quickly that yeah. I think might be important. That when you borrow money to when you borrow money to live to go to school, you borrow from something called CSN, uh, which is the Board of Student Aid, uh, which means that you borrow from the Swedish government not from a bank or right. a private institution, which means that paying it back, there's the interest rate is like, you know, pretty low because they're not trying to profit that much. It's more of a break even sort of deal. Right. Yeah. I think that's probably <laughs> an important distinction too. Yeah, it is because most of the, well, there are federal grants and loans here. There are a lot of private institutions that, that do gouge on interest rates and things like, cause you're not paying back, you know, the taxpayer, you're, uh, you know, it's a for-profit system, like you said, trying to make money off of students. Yeah. Which I think should be legal. I don't think, you know, companies no, should okay. be able to prey on students. No, absolutely not. So both Sweden and America have elections coming up. Ours are just midterms, um, so no presidential election. Yours are for prime minister and to compare it to American elections all the way down the ticket, correct? No, oh, it's for the prime minister and and, and all the way down, I guess. Right. Who would be his? Who would be the second or even third party that that would? Because, as I understand it, the Social Democrats are the leading party. So, yeah. So who would be the second? Uh, the second to the Social Democrats is a party called the Moderates or Moderaterna. So the Social Democrats uh, last election had 31% of the uh, of the electorate and the moderates have had 23%. So that's the biggest contender, I would say. I see. So basically they're kind of middle of the road. They're a little more corporate than the social Democrats, but not as far right as uh, the, what did you say their name was? They're a democratic party. The, oh yeah. The, the Swedish Democrats. Right. Yeah, no, they're not as as far right as they are, especially not socially. Uh, the the moderates have more, you know, they're so, like more, they're more classic, they're so, liberal conservatives. I see. So they're like the Democrats here, pretty much. Yeah, basically, but I mean, they still want like socialized healthcare and stuff like that. Oh, that's wow. not really that's not really a discussion that much, right? You know, yeah. So you guys are done discussing things like. Um, whether citizens should get, you know, life-saving healthcare or an education. Yeah, I think, you know, it's kind of like, um, I, it's so, it's too ingrained. Nobody would agree to, I don't think anybody would agree to anything else. The problems arises when it's like, oh, well, you know, the immigrants get it too, but I don't think anyone is really seriously in favor of abolishing it the same with you know free free college and or university see i think that's why they're so afraid of it here because i i think once people experience 
how how much easier it is to pay for it on the back end instead of not being able to pay for it up front is, you know, they won't be yeah, able it, to take it away at that point. And no, no, it's too why, beneficiary. Right. And I think that's why they're fighting it so hard here. Yeah. I mean, the, the, what the opposition or what, whatever you should say to the, the, you know, the socialized healthcare sort of comes into the idea of how much privatization should be allowed within it. So say the moderates, for instance, might be more in favor of using, uh, private, uh, you know, private contractors for certain things, but they would still be paid from the taxes, you know? Right. So there is, there is, there's still some ideas, uh, of, you know, market, market liberalism and, uh, liberal conservatism within the, within our current structure. Yeah. And unfortunately it's not even in the realm of possibilities to discuss it for us right now. Even Democrats, all they want to do is discuss impeachment. And I personally think that impeachment is a waste of time. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand the sentiment of you can't let the executive branch just break the law and write it out because it's a waste of time and money. But, you know, at the same time, the more important issue is, you know, progressives winning in the future, rebuilding the party that was destroyed under the Obama administration in a way that serves working class people instead of the consultant class. Yeah, I think that that's sort of the... That's sort of an issue. The idea of that you, they're, they're, you're spending too much opposing him, which means that you're sort of defining yourself by what he is not. Right. Uh, which was a problem for Hillary under the election, at least, you know, in my opinion, as a poster on the internet. And I feel like when you waste, you waste too much time thinking about impeachment, thinking about getting rid of him because you're embarrassed by him. Uh, and <laughs> I think that's a, a, a really huge issue for a lot of, I think, maybe left-leaning or maybe especially like Democrats uh, center people is that he's embarrassing. Right. Uh, but I mean, it's kind of, and you know, the more you try to focus on the impeachment, the, the less you're trying to build your own base. You know, if you want to beat him, just like give people a better alternative, which is why, I mean, Cynthia Nixon winning sort of in New York and stuff like that, that improves the, the, the landscape for like a mounted opposition, which would be the ultimate of which would be like, yeah, this is a better alternative. Yeah, I agree. And that's another big problem going on in this country right now is progressive candidates um, not only have to fight Republicans and the smear campaigns that come from the right, but they also have to fight their own party a lot of the time um, in that the DCCC will swoop in and try to put their thumb on the scale for the establishment or corporate Democrat running, even when the progressive candidate is preferred by the fucking people in the district. Yeah, and the, I think, I mean, the, the problem is that uh, impeaching Trump isn't really going to solve the problem, right? He, Trump isn't the problem. He's like a symptom. And that, uh, that that's so, right. And it reminds me of, you know, I'm actually kind of, I get annoyed when people say this, but I kind of agree that I, I'm more scared of our vice president than I am of, of Trump. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our vice president is like the strictest of Bible bangers. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I don't know that impeaching him and, and he might be able to get things done. He's good friends with a lot of Republicans. They, you know, he's not tainted in the same way Trump is. They wouldn't, you know, feel like they're work, working with the boogeyman. Yeah. Um, so he's he's just as scary, if not scarier than Trump is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, impeaching Trump just sort of feels like, you know, it's like slapping a, a new coat of, coat of paint on a broken car. Right. And I think. I'm sorry. Go you're ahead. not going to address it. No, you just, it's just that you're not going to address like the real issues. Right. It's, it's going to feel better. It's going to look better. It's going to, I think people want catharsis most uh, more than anything. And that's probably going to give people some sweet, sweet satisfaction, but it's not going to help. Like you said, I mean, Mike Pence is like, <laughs> he seems like it's like a Terminator. Like he seems <laughs> stone cold. He does. In this, just misogynistic homophobic piece of shit so i don't really like you know he wouldn't be better at at best it would be like a lateral move but it could end up being even worse i agree and not to agree with james comey because i i fucking despise him as well. <laughs> oh yeah fuck that guy but he said you know americans uh, impeachment is letting Americans off the hook. They should have to deal with the fact that they elected Donald Trump, which I kind yeah. of agree with. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> not to not to agree with that monster. Not not to agree with <laughs> Comey, but yeah. And he's uh, he's all over American television right now on his book tour. Oh right, that's right. He he released a book. Isn't it called like something super silly, something about dignity or something? Yeah, it's like truth and honor. Or oh truth my God. and dignity, something like that. Sounds like a fucking Call of Duty game. That's lame. <laughs> so now he's all over American television, like on Colbert and and on the news, <laughs> defending his record and you know selling his book. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is that's so American. I can't believe it. Yeah. I can't. What that He's the former FBI so... director is on a book tour. <laughs> <laughs> he saw Colbert fucking selling his book. I don't even know what the name of our security director is. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> and that's another thing. He's like. People are, you know, making fun of him because he's stooping so low and he's down in Trump's level calling him names and things like that and going on book tours like he's like a celebrity now. Yeah, it's so weird to see the sort of reformation the the, the system does with these people. It's I mean, I mean, you know, people can feel however they want about institutions like the FBI and the CIA and stuff like that. I mean, I understand that, you know, if you're an, if, if you're an American, you maybe you know, you've been, you've been uh, indoctrinated with the belief that the, that they're good. And who can blame you? Right. you know, who can believe, who can blame anyone? But it's so weird to see like, these networks and uh, you know people who should know better just like fucking pandering to these people to james comey yeah. <laughs> he was at a uh he was at a bookstore in new york and um a splinter a writer for splinter news went on chapo um and she was she was covering the book signing and outside there was people in like i love the fbi t-shirts and oh my God. 
waiting for you know an autograph from James Comey. Yeah. So it's 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 at a whole new level. You know, he's like, uh, <laughs> granted, it wasn't you know a bunch of kids out there screaming and wanting an autograph, but you know these middle aged and older liberals and even some like classic conservatives you know not you know never trumpers yeah. are, are like fanboys and girls of the fbi now yeah um speaking of colbert and different news networks sweden only has like one or two private stations correct so the the only news i watch are on the state tv uh, but there is a private, uh, there is a private channel that has news, but it's just, it's just one. The the two like biggest channels are owned by the state. It's like so a, you, it's like a PBS, you know, yeah, or a yeah. C-SPAN. Yeah, sort of imagine if like PBS was really popular. Okay. Uh, and uh, I mean that's where I think, and then you know we have state radio. I think that's where people get most of their news. But then we have newspapers, and they're all privately owned. Yeah. Here it's the exact opposite. It's mostly corporate media with a few exceptions like C-SPAN and PBS, which even those are threatened every couple election cycles to be defunded because corporations have, you know, not only power of the health care Americans receive, but also the information they receive as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like a, a very bleak, uh, <laughs> a very bleak look into the contemporary world, especially in America is going on GoFundMe looking at people go funding medical procedures yeah yeah it's basically I mean, would... what you have to do even a lot of people who have insurance can't cover yeah. major you know if something big happens yeah and it's not even doesn't necessarily have to be something big right that guy died from not getting his insulin right because he couldn't afford it i don't need insulin but i know friends who need it and i don't you know it's not very expensive yeah, well, that's another thing on top of, you know, having to pay more than the rest of the world because we're not allowed to negotiate with these companies as, you know, as a society, they get to set the rules. So yeah, we're, we're price gouged on everything as well. Yeah. And for some reason, you know, a lot of conservatives can't make the connection between, you know, anything that has the word socialist or social in it. It scares yeah. it scares them for some reason. There's such a um, like the Red Scare did a real number in this country back during the J. Edgar Hoover days. Yeah, yeah. Those those like roots run pretty deep. They do. This is kind of like a perfect transition because I wanted to ask you about the healthcare system in Sweden as well. I want to try to cut through all the theory and scaremongering around healthcare and you know, compare real life situations. Um, Cause I know personally I've had horrible experiences with the American healthcare system. Uh, I've had to go to the doctor recently and I'm uninsured. So I had to pay $300 for them to basically tell me nothing was wrong. So I just wanted to ask if uh, you had any personal experience and how they compared. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've had to go in for like, you know, regular stuff. I used to skateboard a lot. So I've had to go in to get stitches in my knee and stuff like that. Right. Uh, and the way it works is sort of like, uh, you, to see your, I guess it's called primary care physician to see like your doctor. So if it's not an emergency, uh, you go in and you pay, I don't know what it would be like, maybe 
seventeen dollars something. Right up front, you'd pay like seventeen dollars. Yeah, you pay seventeen dollars uh, around there somewhere uh, to see your doctor, and you know, then they if if something is wrong with you, then they work. There's no additional fees at that. Uh, however, every time you go back, if you go back again, uh, it costs another seventeen dollars. But however, if you go more than ten times a year, there's a roof. So if you uh, if you go more than ten times a year, uh, then everything after that point becomes free because you're not supposed to be you can't you can't pay more than what would it be hundred and seventy dollars a right. year on healthcare. Uh, and then of course, like you know, if you if you medicine. Uh, you know, if you get a, a prescription, you have to pay for that yourself. But it's not, you know, it's not, it's not American prices. It's, if, it's if, depending on your situation, it's affordable. I've only been, you know, prescribed antibiotics and stuff like that. Right. Um, I want to make a connection for people to make it easy. I don't know exactly how to yet, but how taxes on the back end don't mean government is controlling healthcare. Because a part of the big scare here, you know, thanks to Republicans, is that, you know, quote unquote, government controlled healthcare is government officials looking over the shoulder of your doctor, telling them what to do and what can and can't be afforded. And there was a literal ad run of like an Uncle Sam character in an operating room, like just I'm not being hyperbolic. No. So I, I don't know exactly how to make that connection that, you know. You won't, the government's not going to take every penny and it's not going to look over your doctor's shoulder. It's, it's hard to, and I think the best way to do that is to get stories, you know, from people that experience other situations. Yeah, I know, I have a, I know, a, I have a family member who had to, who had to get a, you know, he had to go through a cure of uh, some fairly expensive medicine, uh, or a fairly expensive treatment, I should say. Because uh, he had hepatitis C, so what happens then was that the city where he lived, he had to, they couldn't afford to buy in, you know, an infinite amount amount of the medicine needed for the treatment. So he was put on a waiting list, and he waited for I think three months, and then it was his turn. So. The, the idea of the government looking over your shoulder, <laughs> I guess it's true to some extent, but it's not, you know, they're not going to wait, let you die while you wait. Right. Well, I think the difference is, you know, if you need like a hip replacement or something, it's not like life threatening condition. You may be put mm -hmm. on a waiting list, but um, here in America, you know, it's, we're rationed by, um, if you can afford it or not, not how bad you need the treatment. Yeah, exactly. Um, like if it's, if it's terminal, I mean, if you're dying, you're going to get treatment right, right away. The, the, obviously the government's not, you know, looking over the shoulder saying, no, don't, don't give him open heart surgery. Let him die. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and people, you know, it gets confused because people will then say, well, they don't let you die on the side of the street, which is true. Yeah, they'll pick you up in the ambulance, take you to the hospital, make sure you're stabilized if they can. And then, you know, good luck with that $10,000 ER plus with whatever chronic 
problems may come after whatever incident happened. Yeah, exactly. Like they'll let you die two months later, completely <laughs> right. destitute. Right. But they will do yeah. everything they can to get that 10 grand first. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm sure you've seen on social media, you know, people like Bernie pushing, you know, holding town halls for it. And even polling suggests majority of Americans want some sort of either public option or, you know, Medicaid or single payer system. And it's been that way for quite a while. It just hasn't gotten done because of corporate, because of, you know, the insurance companies. Yeah, they have too much power. They have the first five seats at the table in this country. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's dictators uh, on the way down from there. And I think another big part of it is they've kind of removed themselves from the consequences of voting. So I'm sure like in Sweden where elections are publicly funded, uh, politicians have to be very careful and actually have to do things their constituents want or else, you know, they would be voted out. But yeah. in this country, it's whoever can raise the most money. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like a, a inherently rigged political system. It is. There are voices out there, thankfully, that are, you know, saying these things that are actually in politics that a lot of people don't know about, like Ro Khanna and even people like Keith Ellison, the more mainstream ones. Yeah. And every time we have like a super, I, I believe Bush was so bad that it gave us Obama. Yeah. And Trump is going to be uh, so bad that he gives us, you know, hopefully a non-corporatist on the left. That's what I would love to see. Yeah. I mean, that's, that felt like, you know, it felt like that's the pattern of uh, American politics, right? It's a Democrat and a Republican and a Democrat and a, Repo- and yeah. a Republican. Tends you to sort of back and forth a lot. Yeah, exactly. And it felt like, you know, <laughs> Obama may have been a de- like a, a Democrat, but I felt like, you know, with the popularity of Bernie that I saw over here, it feels like, you know, people are ready for that. Uh, people are ready for uh, some actual, like, social change because nothing really changed under Obama. I mean, uh, yeah, like, yeah, like you said. stayed the same. Yeah, like you said, I mean, you, you were positive for uh, Obama when he came out. And I think, I mean, I don't remember. I was in, I was in high school at the time. Yeah. Uh, when he was elected in 2008, but people were generally positive. I mean, people felt like, you know, maybe it's a, maybe America has a competent leader for once. Right. And it turns out that he's, he, I mean, it turns out that he's very smart and capable maybe, but uh, not with any good interests at heart, I don't think. And not what he initially ran on, um, you know, in his original voting record, there's something happened. I'm not sure if it was, you know, the big donations from Wall Street just before the election or whatever the case may be. But, you know, he was against the Iraq war. He and that's another thing. Even leftists like Bernie in this country. See, this is I, everybody always I always say I'm to the left of Bernie um, when people actually try to, like, drill down, like on my politics And they'll say, well, what does that mean? How is Bernie not to the left? Well, um, 
you know, there's a lot of things in foreign policy that Bernie is, you know, center or even right compared to the rest of the country. Oh, Gaia, he's pro. He, I mean, didn't he say in an interview that he wanted a two-state solution for the Israeli-Palestine conflict? He had, like, he says he's he has said that, and he said the opposite as well. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, it's. I will be the first to criticize Bernie Sanders on foreign policy on a no, a number of issues I disagree with them on. But I, I've still yet to hear, you know, like a Hillary supporter say, oh, you were right, the DNC was rigged, blah, blah, blah. You know, there is no, I, I don't know. It's like Hillary fans, view, and I think a lot of Bernie fans, to be fair, view these politicians as, you know, infallible rock stars. Whereas, yes, please criticize Bernie if he strays from anything you disagree with him on. Um, yeah, and I'm the first to do so, but there seems to be a divide on the other side of the Democratic Party to where, you know, we're, we're so for this one guy that, you know, we'll do, you know, we'll do and say anything. Whereas I preferably would like a younger person on, you know, from the socialist Democratic left. I would much rather see like a, um, Bob Avakian. <laughs> or, but like I would vote. Keith Ellison wouldn't win, but I would vote for Keith Ellison for president. There's unfortunately yeah. not a lot of options that are in the position to run for president. It's very clear that they sort of can't. I mean, and again, who can blame them considering, you know, the circumstances they've been brought up in. But it really seems like they don't understand a uh, the idea of politics outside of a very like ingrained capitalistic system. Right. It seems like if Bernie says that, oh, we need to do, or not even Bernie, if anyone says like, um, you know, we need to get rid of, uh, we need to, you know, we need to get rid of all uh, health insurance providers because we need to find, uh, a, you know, an alternative. We need socialized medicine. We need free college. We need everything like that. We need to take down all these institutions. It feels like they can't even comprehend what that means. I mean, they've never seen it in practice, so that's understandable to a certain degree. But I think it makes them nervous just out of the 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 sound of it. Right. Just makes them nervous. And I think that's why they would say something as ludicrous as like, oh, Hillary is to the left of Bernie. Because they don't even think like they don't even think that what Bernie or the any socialist what they're trying to do, they wouldn't even think of it as like a conceivable option. Right. The whole ponies, you know, he wants to give everybody ponies argument. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, it's like they dismiss it as not even policy. It's just, he's just promising things that aren't doable. Yeah. They have no, like they have no, they have no hope for politics. Like right. it's, it's just bad. And it's a very sports like mentality here as well in that, Think of like your favorite soccer team or football team for a Swede. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter if they do steroids. It doesn't matter if they, it doesn't matter what they do as long as your team wins. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's another thing. It's people try to take advantage of. They say Bernie's not a Democrat. Well, I mean, it's true. And I mean, I wouldn't, I, I don't like the whole party mentality, my team versus your team. But to be fair, the Democrats did appoint Bernie, you know, outreach director in charge of party outreach and going state to state and spreading the word of, 
you know, how the Democratic Party is so progressive. And but then in the meantime, people yell that Bernie's take him off any list. Bernie's not a Democrat. Why is he being polled? Take him out. He's not a Democrat. Meanwhile, he's the most popular politician in the country. Why would you not want him on your team? Yeah. And also the idea, like you said, the sports team mentality. Right. Bernie's not a Democrat. Why is that a bad thing? I mean, the the idea of the two-party system is bad, right? Bernie's well, not a temp- Not only that, you can't win in this country, or it's perceived that you can't win in this country unless you run as a Democrat or a Republican. Like running yeah. as a third party is basically you're saying I'm a joke and I'm here to make noise. Yeah. Which is, I mean, listen, I don't, I, there was a lot of, uh, uh, was her name Jill Stein? Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of, you know, upset feelings about people voting for Jill Stein. <laughs> and I just, I feel like I'm fairly, I'm fairly sympathetic with the people who voted for her, even if they just did it as a protest. Because, I mean, yeah, sure, politics is about tactics and stuff like that, but also politics is about what you believe in. Like the idea right. that you should vote for Hillary or for Trump or anyone because it's like, oh, this is what you need to do. That's this so silly. That is like you say, like you said about the, the team thing. Right. And I agree with you. Uh, people voting third party or whatever, pe- more people should do it if they, but, you know, Gary Johnson and Jill Stein were kind of stupid. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, no, no. God, I'm not, I'm not no, using Yeah, I know you're yeah. not endorsing them in any way, but, you know, and I I agree with you and people that say people, you know, you should vote for either the left or right or you're giving the election to one or the other. I think that's completely wrong to think. Yeah. But at the same time, if you voted for Jill Stein, you're a fucking... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? But that's because of Jill Stein, yeah. not the third party. If you voted with your heart, everyone would vote for Bob Avakian. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I was just uh, the dad with the gun picture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. I love that one. Not only is it like, I mean, I see, I see. There's a lot of good different takes on that. Like, you know, the dad with the gun is assuming that the 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 his daughter's prom date is going to be as bad as he was. Right. Uh, or something like that. But it's just so very, like, even if you're joking, like the guy who it became famous with, he was like, he did the hashtag bad boys because he'd right. seen bad boys and thought it was funny. And I don't know that guy. Maybe he's a fucking idiot. Maybe he was just a, you know, well meaning guy who thought he could make an innocent joke. Not understanding the implications, the political ramifications. Yeah, of it. yeah. Exactly. Well, you would think anybody, especially in America right now, with you know the protests around guns and shit right now, it had to be slight. I mean, I could be completely wrong as well, and he could be just some innocent joke. But you yeah. have to kind of know of that, you know, behind it. It's going to cause some kind of, you know, and it just goes back to the point of you know how readily available and how glorified guns are like we joke about killing our kids from dates yeah yeah yeah. it's like a it's like a running joke in this country yeah exactly like you know i'm taking a picture 
And it's not like, I don't know what the implication of, or I understand what the implication of it is. It's that like, you know, don't it's not my daughter or I'll kill and you. It's not, it's not even that. It's, I think it's like, don't, don't have sex with my daughter. Right. Don't kiss her. <laughs> it doesn't matter what she wants. I'm the one who's in charge. I right. think honestly, obviously the, the sexual violence things there, but I honestly just think it's a, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't touch my little princess. Right. And a lot of, I people, think that, I think that's basically it. A lot of people's take was he secretly wants to sleep with her. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was my take <laughs> on Twitter too. That like, he looks like he's jealous that this, this, that this dude might get to fuck his daughter and not him. Right. Exactly. Which sir, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I'm sure you don't want to fuck your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't come to Sweden with that gun. Uh, <laughs> I'm just a stupid idiot. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, I've taken up enough of your time. Is there anything you want to plug or is there anything you're working on? No, just uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you want. Um, and uh, also go Reds. Joey Votto is the best first placement in the MOB. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> Yeah, this no is my problem. first first and last podcast, probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you come back on this one. Be like, yeah, exactly. Be like the, the unofficial election. Swedish correspondent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That sounds good. All right, man. I appreciate it.